This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekend sports with a difference. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said our name and a little something about ourselves. I'll start. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. Will you stop your damn sniveling, son? Buck up, Bart. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Well, hey, happy Sunday morning, everybody. What up, though? Well, it's happy for some of us. Rashad had himself quite an adventure getting here today. I had the the 8.55 phone call that I made. They're like, hey, are you, are you coming today? Or Yeah, there wasn't going to be a response. We'll get to that part later. Well, so... <laughs> Go ahead and tell the people what exactly your morning consisted of that led you to getting here exactly eight minutes ago. Well, typically I have a, you know, there's no, um, like, outlet near my bed. <clears throat> that's so that's strange. In the I mean, place. just not right there. Like, the, it's, it's, my charger isn't long enough to reach, mm. you know, my bed from there. So um, I have an extension cord that kind of comes from, you know, the wall. So I plug my charger in. And... Um, for whatever reason, the extension cord wasn't plugged in, and so my phone died. So waking up, I have no idea what time it is. So I turn on the TV, and it's 8.10. It's like, oh, geez, man, let me hurry up and get out of the house. So There's still I, plenty I, of time. There's still plenty of time, right? I should be okay, you know what I'm saying, have enough time to maybe get in the shower real fast and do everything I need to mm-hmm. do. So um, as I'm done, I start looking for my keys, and I can't find them. And I, they're not where they typically are. Sometimes I'm really stupid or, you know, drunk or something like that, and I'll leave them in, like, the door on the way in, you know, like, I don't know, just being an idiot. So I figured, oh, maybe I didn't made a mistake and did that. Weren't there. So now I'm kind of freaking out. I have no idea where the keys are. There, I finally find them way behind my bed. I'm not sure how they got there. Maybe when I threw my clothes off, they were just a part of that last night. And uh, finally found them, and now it's 8.35. So get out, man, turn on my car, and the gas tank is, like, right underneath and I'm like, ugh, no way I'm going to make it. I have to stop and get gas. Stop and get gas. The gas attendant then tells me, hey, your back tire is flat. Just so happens that their tire, uh, their air pump is broken, out of order. So Of course it is. Luckily, there's a Jiffy Loop right across the street from there. So go ahead and Jiffy Loop hooks me up. Shout out to the people at Jiffy Loop for, for plugging me with that. So I finally get on the road. Now it's like 8.50, you know, right around there. 8.45, 8.50. I'm like, oh, jeez. I'm definitely going to be late. And I start looking for my phone to call the great Mike Lynch or Jesse Osmond, and I have no phone. I left my phone at home. Full circle. On the charge. Exactly. So right back to where it started, you know. So uh, 
Yeah, so I just you know, hauled ass here as fast as I could, basically. I got here just as Jesse was starting his update. So, hey, I'm here. Let's talk sports, right? We're here. Yeah. That is one of those mornings that I don't think I have ever had. A little frustrating. I'll be honest, man. Not, not the way I wanted to. Lots of expletives in the car. Well, I think and I found your problem. Your key is literally just two keys. Yeah, and he. Oh yeah, I it's noticed a car key well, and a house I had, key. No, and so, that's it. So I had a whole bunch of like work keys on there, but because I don't work in that specific building, I don't need them. So I was so happy to give up all those keys. Like, absolutely, here you go, take them all. I don't want any of these things. Yeah, but now it's Keep impossible it to find your tiny two key. No, key it's chain. not. Of course not. Again, it's always one of two. Pla- it's he always says one of two places. Looking thirty-five it's, minutes, but it's always one of two places. Like you say, you always put uh, yours always. in the same place. Not always. Not uh, this time. And I mean, that's why. And that's time. why I was frustrated. That's why I'm so frustrated because they weren't there this time. We're, More than likely my fault. Definitely my fault. So how'd you get into adjustment. the building today? I uh, have my fob. What? What? Yeah, man. <laughs> I noticed it's not on your key ring. It's not because it always falls off, and so that's why I just. You know, I keep it separate. Why and is I, it always And I only use it off. like once a week. So I, I usually keep it like in a, my top drawer. So this way, I know on Sunday morning, just grab it for the most part. It won't fall off. Hmm? Get, give it a better ring. It won't fall off your key ring. Mine has literally never fallen off. I, I have never don't had you, a problem listen, either. Don't, I don't, don't you guys judge me with your, you know, with your key talk? Listen, I got two keys. It's simple. And it's no incredible. fob. And- <laughs> Seriously. Here, go start the car. Which key? Yeah. You hey, want to know what? Go open the door. Which one is it? It's shooting chingling Sunday to Sunday, whether you're going to have your fob and able to let yourself into this building. I've let myself in for like the past three weeks. I'm trying oh. to play me, Jesse. Yeah, I'm trying to play me. <laughs> I mean, Again, I don't I feel, have a lot I'm, of I'm feeling really Andy. judged, and I'm sure that's really bulky in your pocket. Well, sure, this is not. But I've got my and my wife's key or car key thing, the little like the little box for it. I've got my house key. I've got a safe key, and I've got a mailbox key. That's a lot of keys. I've got my fob, and I've got a bottle opener, which is very important. And well, I you have a lighter on your keychain? What? You have a lighter on your keychain? See, no, Jesse, see. we're here. You know what I'm saying? I was going to ask the same thing. Bottle like, opener. Yeah, that's what a lighter is. Yeah, crack, real easy. Here you go, bud. Multi-use. What else can your bottle opener do? I'm just going to switch side corner to corner. and Just going to instigate back and forth? Yes. Jerk. Well... That is, uh, that yeah, is it was a, a hell of a morning, man. So, unfortunate first hour of your day, absolutely. Hopefully, we'll the rest of it goes better to make it better because we got a lot of sports to talk about today, I really and truly. Like, there's, there's a bunch going on, this right? This is the easiest show to prep for in the last like month and a half, and I think we might even be leaving some stuff out just because there, there has been We're a lot to have happen. to, yeah. Uh, so basically, the plan is I want to talk March Madness, of course, which has just been <clears throat> bananas so far. We've had the first 16 over a one seed upset. We've had multiple buzzer, be- buzzer beaters so far. One of, the, one of the regions is completely blown to smithereens with the one, three, and uh, four seeds out in the first round or second round. And we'll talk about all that coming up. We got the Blazers still haven't lost. 12-game win streak after beating the... Detroit Pistons yesterday. Detroit basketball. Ugly game. Oh, my God. That game was horrific yesterday. And they play again tonight against the Clippers, which is going to be quite an interesting matchup, especially after how rough and tumble the game was yesterday. We'll talk about that. NFL free agency is open, and literally everybody has signed, it feels like. And it's been an absolute madhouse the last week, especially all the quarterbacks are signing. So we'll talk about where they've all landed. I've got a whole bunch of notes on that. We're definitely not getting to all that. Anything else you want to get to? Anything else happening? 
I mean, if, if we have time, maybe Jess can get them some stuff for us and hate her to love it that we that we may have missed. That is true. That is also coming up at 1030. So we got a whole bunch of stuff to get to, but I want to start with March Madness because it's top of mind, baby. Okay. So before we start, okay, I'm going to say something. We can push that off to next segment that, if you want to finish. Probably. Well, I mean, it's all good. I'm going to say, I should probably say this now because I'm probably going to hear it from a lot of people. Like, I just haven't cared about March Madness this year. And it's unfortunate because there has been so many awesome things. So it's been a tournament like always. Yesterday I was in the I was in the barber chair just kind of watching some of the games and, you know, games look they look good, but sometimes, you know, college can be really sloppy basketball at points. And uh when you got your top teams and even still they can be a little sloppy at points. So it's kind of hard to watch sometimes, but I know when UNBC, you know, kind of got that game, that was a big that was huge, and I think I got a chance to watch some of that game. I didn't get a chance to finish it, but other than that, man, I just I just haven't cared this year. I don't know why. I just well, I've I mean, been kind of like. Huh. Let's be honest, though. Do you ever really care? I, I I've done okay. I'll put it this way: I didn't even do a bracket this year, well, and you're and not, you're not a college basketball. And fan. then it came to, yeah. and I was like, oh, it's bracket time, and I was kind of like, ah, huh, we'll see. Not like I mean, I'm not, everybody around me is talking about everything, and I've been paying attention to some of it just to see who goes in and you know who goes down and whatnot. But I don't know, bro. This year I've just been kind of like, huh. I do think a lot of people didn't do a bracket this year. I don't think Isaac or Souk did a bracket, if I remember correctly. They were saying that they were wanting to and they forgot, and they're like, eh, whatever, because the tournament's weird this year. The tournament's well, college basketball's weird this year, and there wasn't a lot of elite teams. We're seeing that, by the way. Um, a lot of teams who were at the top who were one seeds or two seeds in the tournament were not necessarily that much better than the other teams in college basketball. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like Duke's played really well so far and, and they've looked really good. And Kansas, though, has not looked good in their two games. You obviously had Virginia lose to a 16 seed, which we'll get to next segment. Villanova's looked good so far, and uh, that's about it. So let me ask you this, because you've, you've actually been watching some college basketball this year. A little bit, yeah. You know, is there a great team? This year, I know every year there's been like at least one team that's like, okay, that could be no. potentially a great team. Like I thought it was supposed to be Virginia. Well, but that, here's the thing is <laughs> And they can't score. They're 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 well, defense. That, that's what they do. They, yeah. So my answer to that is no. That's what I've been saying all year is there's no great teams this year. There's a lot of very good teams who have flaws that force them to lose games they shouldn't. Uh Virginia, see here's the thing with Virginia. Virginia's been really good for like five years now. They always lose early in the tournament without fail. I don't know what it is about their style, which is literally no offense, all defense. But in the tournament, that doesn't fly past like the Sweet 16. They've been losing early a lot. Now, obviously, I didn't see them losing to a 16 seed, but um, I didn't think Virginia was an elite team. I honestly, out of the one seeds, maybe Villanova, I, I would have picked just because they've been here a couple years in a row. They won the tournament two years ago. You know, that, that's they've got the experience there, but. I didn't think Virginia or Kansas or Xavier were elite teams. No. You know, and then and at the two line, Duke looks really good sometimes and then looks really bad sometimes. North Carolina is the same way. They've both they've had bad losses. Purdue, honestly, I haven't watched very much of this year, so I can't comment on them. And then Cincy the same. I know that they had good years. I just didn't really watch them very much. But Yeah, and so that's kind of where I've been. It's it's been a little tougher to even even guy in the well, the team from the Pac twelve, uh, you know, Arizona that pfft, uh, I guess things worked out well for them, right? You know, so, I mean, as it was a karma for Arizona, right. maybe. Let's wait. We'll just say. We're at a break time. We got to talk about that, too, the Pac-12. I, did, I didn't even put that in my notes. Let me add that right now. 
Um, Pac-12 has three teams make the tournament, <laughs> and then all three lose their first game, and now they have no teams in the tournament. Um, so we'll talk about that as well. But I do want to start with UMBC beating Virginia in the first round when they were 20-point underdogs by 20 points. What on earth did we witness on Friday? This is Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Nine seventeen Sunday morning. Mike and Rashad and Jesse with you until eleven o'clock tonight or tonight this morning. That would be cool. Time. <laughs> All night. Oh God! Could you imagine doing radio for like twelve hours straight? I feel like it'd be. I feel like we'd run out of stuff to talk about. Well, yeah. it would definitely turn into one of those loopy shows. Yeah, a loop. We would. Hit the sound effects boards. I'm sure all the fart jokes would come out. It would it would go bad. It would go really bad, really bad. I think I could make really it quick. through, honestly. I think prime time is a perfect amount of time. You know, after four hours, I was like, oh, I don't know what else we talk about. Well, plus their fourth hour is a club. Is a club, yeah. If it's it was kind all of a, sports, after three hours, yeah, you're pretty good. We can bring back the wheel of grab ass and just figure out, you know, how yeah, to do okay. some stuff from there. That well, would be cool. The only people here who have ever done a 12-hour show are Isaac and Souk because mm-hmm. they go from 7 to 7 on the day of the radio thon. Yep. The nice thing for them is that a, they both get an hour break in there. And B, they are like spoon-fed things to talk about. Like, hey, here's some guests this hour. Here's what we're promoting for the Radiothon. Talk about that. So it's kind of like, of, of course it's grueling. I'm not taking anything away from it. But it's not like they're planning 12 hours of sports talk. No, no. And people, some people don't know how how difficult it is to talk. Like, I talk all the time. It's like, it's hard to have a 12-minute conversation with somebody, you know, back and forth. Like, that's not a... That's a long time. Just think about it. Would you watch a 12-minute video on Facebook or something like that or on yeah. YouTube? Sometimes you will if it's super funny, but no. for the most part, you're not like really. Unless it's like a show that you watch. Ahead. Yeah, unless it's like a show that you watch or a TED Talk you want to see or something like that. Most people aren't spending that time to watch, you know, so. Yeah, just that three-minute mark and you're like, yeah. you jump to seven. Exactly. Anything interesting, jump to nine. Exactly. Right, so so to, for talking for 12 minutes is a long time. So talking for. That's part of why they're, I mean, that's. One of the reasons why it's so easy to get on all these tangents, too, when we get off topic and onto another tangent is because you're like, oh, well, what? yeah, it be, it, you kind of ran out of a conversation. I remember doing, you doing Hunt for the Host, the and we'd have like three-minute segments to do stuff, and you don't think about how long three minutes is when you're just, you know, either filibustering or doing a monologue or whatever the case is, but, man, that's a grit. It's a lot of time, bro, so. It is. It is certainly a, a skill. A lot of people are like, yeah, I could do that. It's like, well, you might. You certainly could, but it's harder than it looks. It's much tougher than it looks. Um, All right, so 16 seed beats a one seed as University of Maryland, Baltimore County, the Retrievers, who were wearing some of the ugliest or coolest jerseys, depending who you talk to, because they were classic, but also like the worst shade of yellow of all time. Um, Look at the Roosevelt jerseys. They had the script Retrievers on the front, though, which was pretty cool. They beat one seed Virginia in the first round. Eh, maybe not beat. They housed a one seed Virginia in the first round. 74 to 54. Mm. Let me let me remind you something here. The Virginia Cavaliers 
are one of the best defensive teams in the country. Yes, they are. They finished 31 and 3, but they finished the season 31 and 2. They held North Carolina to 63 points in the ACC title game. They held Clemson and Louisville to 58 points. Notre Dame to 57 points. Well, Pitt's really bad, so that's a bad example. They held Miami to 50 points. They held my Syracuse Orange to 44 points, although we have a terrible offense too. They held Clemson, who was ranked 18th at the time, to 36 points in an entire game. And they go up against 16 seed University of Maryland, Baltimore County, who finished the regular season 24 and 10 and lost games to teams like Albany 83 to 39. They gave up 74 points to this team and lost 74 to 54. They did not just get upset by a 16 seed, they got destroyed by a 16 seed. And for a majority of that game, did not look like they belonged on the court. No. How Um, on earth did we get here where a one seed who was universally regarded as the best team in college basketball this year gets beaten that bad by a 16 seed? Because football or basketball isn't football. And there are dudes that can hoop all over the country. And a lot of times these guys don't get into the Virginia's because of grades, because something happened you know, socially or at school or whatever the case is to where they don't get that big scholarship offer from Virginia. And they don't get that big scholarship offer from UCLA or Arizona or anyone like that. So they end up going to Wichita State, who ends up being really good out of nowhere. Who thought those kids would be worth anything a couple of years ago? And then they ended up being like, at one point, weren't they like number one in the country like at some point? Because they were just playing so well. Wichita State, like not this year, but last year yeah, or probably. the year before, you know, yeah. so... There are guys that can play all over the country, and we're starting to see more and more parity. Gone are the days of guys staying three and four years like Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley and Grant Hill did to be able to form a dynasty. These guys are staying for one year, maybe two, but we live in a day and age to where if you stay for more than one year, you're considered not good enough to go to the NBA. Why didn't you go as a freshman? That's what people are going to say. Like, if you're a great senior, come Denzel Valentine, where's he? He's. I think he plays for the... Bulls, maybe? Uh, Four-year guy. Four-year guy. Can play ball, but in the NBA's (laughs) eyes, you should have won as a freshman. You know, so I don't know. I just think we're starting to see more and more guys around that are are able to play. You know, they had a guy that put up uh, 28, what's his name? Jarius Lyles, you know, a senior from uh, UMBC. Exactly, man. Averaged 20 points a game. Put up 28 against Virginia. You know, Virginia doesn't have any. Well, they have people that can score, I'm sure. They don't. They only went seven deep in that game, so they only go seven deep for most of the season. I mean, that it was just bound to happen. I think. I mean, this but is here's just, the thing, though: was it really bound to happen? Yeah, at some point, that wasn't going to last forever. Bef- but here, I really, honestly, didn't think for many years we would see this because, in reality, I know what you're saying. I, I actually agree with your point, but in reality, the skill gap between these two teams is gargantuan. Sure, four-year guys, guys who are certainly good basketball players, but the athleticism gap and the skill gap is very big between an ACC powerhouse lately and a team that barely won the America East Conference, right? So 
I didn't think we've seen 15s beat twos, but normally the 16s are really bad. And I, and I and I guess to counter my own argument, maybe this year was the first year maybe we're seeing the shift. Because remember, people were calling Penn, who lost to Kansas in the first round, but were up 10 in the first half against Kansas, the best 16 seed ever. Maybe we're getting to a point where the catch-up is starting. <laughs> Sounds like catch-up. Where the catching up of the lower seeds is starting. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're right about that. It just, I didn't think it was going to happen so soon. No, but, yeah. again, to counter my own argument as I'm thinking through it here, this was one of the weirdest years in college basketball where there were no elite teams. So... Maybe maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe, I just, maybe maybe the the quality of the player in all of the schools is getting better and better, and it's going to be closer from yeah, now. Like on. even we've now, seen a lot of lower seeds, even if they lost this this tournament, play really well against some of the better yeah, teams. Even now, you just look at something like college football. We're looking at you know there was something that came out that I think Western Oregon had a better class than Oregon Star. Excuse me, than uh, than was it Portland State or you know something like that around those lines as far as like recruits. Just guy, guys, they're starting to get, man, better kids and be it for a lot of reasons, man. Uh, monetary or family wants them to stay closer or, you know, whatever the case is, man. These guys are starting to choose, man, schools that are, I'm not going to say the top. And also, sometimes they're not getting recruited. We're not, we're hearing a lot of these, man, really good kids that we see out there. And I'm just like, man, how come they don't have any offers from any D1 places? I just watched a kid in the state championship game go for 28 against, or 22 against the uh, the defending uh, three-time state champions, basically. And he's, I think the biggest offer he's getting is from Willamette right now. You know, the best player on that team is getting offers from, you know, like, you know, good schools, you know, Lewis Clark, you know, but... Word? Not D1 program. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. So these guys are out there, and we know that they're out there. They're just starting to, you know, either not get chose by the Arizonas and UNCs of the world, or they're just really starting to choose up and go to Colgate and go to, you know, UNBC. Well, text your thoughts to the fan text on at 55305. Do you think we're start this year? I mean, we saw the first win, but do you think the shift is coming where the haves and the have-nots are getting closer and closer in college hoops? So text your thoughts to 55305. A couple of the other lower-seeded teams or the Cinderella's, if you will, that have won or played well. St. Bonaventure in the playing game beat UCLA and came back from big in that game to beat them. And then they played pretty well against Florida for quite some time in that game. Uh, obviously, we had Marshall beat Wichita. 81-75. They play against West Virginia today to see if they can keep the streak alive. Loyola Chicago's won two games, beating six-seed Miami and three-seed Tennessee on buzzer beaters, essentially, uh, to get to the Sweet 16, uh, which they actually made last time they made the tournament, which was in 1985. But um, they, they've played really, really well. You had Charleston almost beat Auburn as a 13 over a 4. Um who else almost beat a higher-seeded team? Oh, yeah, you had North Carolina Greensboro almost beat Gonzaga mm -hmm. in the first round. Then Gonzaga went on and, and beat Ohio State yesterday. Really all over the place. And Buffalo, of course, House Arizona, which we're going to get to next segment is the Pac-12. But Buffalo destroyed Arizona before keeping it close with Kentucky for most of the game yesterday, too. It There's always upsets, right? There's always the 11, 12, 13 seeds who play well. It just seems different this year. Yeah, like Davidson kept it close mm -hmm. with Kentucky as well. I'm just looking through the bracket as I'm talking. It seems different this year where it's not just, a, oh, this is a fun Cinderella story where these teams are good. It's, whoa, these teams are good. Mm -hmm. And they're coming out against the Kentuckys, and they're, Kentucky's like, oh, Kansas. You know, Seton Hall, Kansas was a four-point game. You know what I mean? Yep. So Seton Hall isn't 
hasn't been a powerhouse in yeah. I mean, I mean, back maybe in the late eighties, you know, it's Seton Hall was was worth was really good to watch, but. Outside of that, like they're not again, they're not a powerhouse, and they're taking a powerhouse. And I'm using the quote fingers in Kansas, you know, all the way to the wire. Well, I, I mean, um, one of the reasons I think that you start seeing more and more and more of these teams um, popping up is oh, one, obviously, the core of these teams because they're not comprised of the top talent that's coming out of high school. The, the core of these teams are staying together for four years, uh, you know, and so you you develop chemistry as players and you end up with multiple seniors on the team and maybe they haven't been there before, but they've been in other tournaments before, which is more than some of these high school players that are coming out as top prospects can say. And they're maybe a little bit more ready for that moment than these 18, 19 year olds that are just coming in, getting ready for their big payday the next year. And you think about how that's translated into more guys like Damian Lillard, Steph Curry's that came out of their small schools. CJ um, McComb, Brandon Roy um, stayed for four years, fundamentally became really good basketballs, learned how to become leaders, learned how to win games. And so you see teams like Kentucky who technically have the best talent in, in the nation. But this year you can see there's a reason why they're a five seed and not a one seed. They just can't put it together. And I think that's, one of the big problems of the NCAA right now and why I'm not too interested in Bingo. it on a year-to-year basis either. All right, let's break. Coming up next, the Pac-12. Embarrassing. The Pac-4. Pac-3. Not even a Pac-3. Like. I'm going to call it the Pac-2 because I'm giving both Arizona State and UCLA half a credit for making the playing game. So one team made it, two teams made the playing game, two of them lost, oh, all three of them lost. Uh, combine that with the bowl record... From the college football season, this has been a disastrous been pretty terrible. year for the Pac-12 in postseason play. We'll get to the hoop side of it next, but first, Jesse has Sports Center. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Talking the NCAA tournament here on Sports Sunday. Text us at the fan text line 55305. Find us on Twitter at 1080 the fan at Mike Lynch27 and at TaylorMade503. Jesse, our producer, is at Jesse Osmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N. Want to get to the Pac-12 here before we split off and talk some Blazers. As any of us who watched the Pac-12 in the regular season knew that they were not exactly the best conference this year. They were having a down year. You know, the Oregon who made the Final Four last year lost a lot of talent. People thought their restocking of talent was good enough to get them back into a tournament picture, and they were not. Um, Arizona was good for most of the year. Of course, had the FBI scandal and the Sean Miller thing, and that really put a damper on their program. You had Arizona State start the year in the top 10 and then completely stumble down the stretch. You had Washington look really good under new head coach Mike Hopkins, who I got to give some love to, of course, as he's a Syracuse guy. But they were not consistent enough yet. Same goes for UCLA, same goes for USC, et cetera. Um, although USC probably should have made the tournament. They didn't because of the FBI investigation. Um, but in the end, three Pac-12 teams make the tournament. Mm -hmm. UCLA and Arizona State make the first four, and then Arizona's a four seed, which was under again because of the FBI thing. It's clear the committee 
They didn't really want them there. Well, they intentionally impacted teams who were in the FBI investigation. So the teams that were on the bubble, like USC and Louisville, did not make the tournament. The teams that were clearly in the tournament, like Auburn and Arizona, got underseeded because of the FBI to the four seed. Mm -hmm. um, now, UCLA plays 11 seed St. Bonaventure in the, in the first four. They have a pretty good lead in the second half, completely blow it, lose the game. Arizona State plays Syracuse in the first game. Close game throughout. They lose the game eventually. Arizona gets housed maybe just as bad as Virginia did to UMBC. They quit. Three, halfway through the game, Arizona quit. I mean, Buffalo was just raining threes down on them. Now, Buffalo is better than UMBC, but raining threes on them, and they just said, yeah, we're not going to play anymore. We're going to the NBA draft. And two of them, including um, Aiton, the number one, projected number one pick in the draft this year, just instant declared for the yeah, draft. After they, the they gave up. Yeah, they knew. They gave up. And honestly, I don't think many people were surprised. Like, I, I had Arizona going to the Final Four. I think a lot of people picked Arizona to go far because they had a really good team. But when you look at it from the 30,000-foot view, whatever the view is, is the, the Pac-12 is not very good right now, or at least wasn't this year. And to expect them to do very much in the tournament, I think, was a mistake. And I, I made that mistake. I thought Arizona was going to beat some teams because of how good they were talent-wise with the players. But, man, I, it's just that they did not deserve more teams in the tournament. I'll give you that. I think this year this was just kind of a, an Arizona like being almost like the Gonzaga Bulldogs, you know, in, in the West Coast Conference. Just better than everybody else in your conference. But we know Gonzaga on a national level can compete. You know, they do it every single year. But we just see them just run through their conference. And so we're always like, man, this dang man Gonzaga team. Although, man, this year they've they've got wins over, um, shoot, Texas and Creighton and UW. And so they Arizona, or excuse me, Gonzaga beats whoever is in front of them. We can't say that this year about this Arizona squad. But you're right. On paper, they have a great team. They have what's projected to be the number one overall draft pick. But let's be real. He's projected to be the number one overall draft pick because Michael Porter Jr. missed more than half the season with a back injury. Otherwise, he was probably going to be second or third behind Marvin Bagley. So now you're just in a situation with, with Arizona. I think you had a bunch of guys who were like, we just want to get out of this as soon as possible. Like this whole situation right now is toxic. And I knows that he, you know, it was take took some funds to be there. And so, what else do you do? Hundred thousand dollars to be. Yeah. Exactly. And so, what else do you do, man? I go pro right now. Let's 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 pretty kill. cheap for the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. I'm just right. saying. I mean, but uh, when you're him and you probably come from, and I don't know his his background, you know, or anything like that. But uh, if you come from any circumstances, you know, less than awesome, man, that hundred grand is going going to be awesome, going to be great. And these dudes should be getting paid. Why else would you go watch Arizona play? Well, that's a whole different subject, but outside of him, why else are you watching them play? You don't, you're not coming from Sean Miller, no. for sure. Well, if you want to see a really, really, really sweaty person you are. Then go for it. If that's your thing. those shirts, man. If that's your thing, then go for it. It ain't mine. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I kind of got this vibe from social media that Pac-12 fans were really upset that the that they've their teams performed this poorly in both college hoops and in football this year in the postseason. A lot of people were calling for Larry Scott's job, saying that they should let him go as if he has some control over the recruiting and the coaching in, in the Pac-12. But I guess I kind of understand the sentiment, just like something needs to change, right? The Pac-12 was embarrassed this year largely across the board. 
um, at least in the two major income sports, and it looked really bad doing it. You know, Arizona State, man, they did not deserve to be in the tournament. They they were awful down the stretch of the season, and UCLA blew a lead, and Arizona looked bad. And hey, but at least they're winning in the NIT. I did I did see this from uh, Steve Mims from the Register Guard said like it was it was a couple days ago. He was like. Well, Pac-12 is 5-0 and in the NIT. So far, three-quarters of the Sweet 16 is them. And I went exactly what every Pac-12 fan wants to hear, I, I suppose. That in the secondary tournament where all the below-average teams go, the Pac-12 is dominating. There we go. And then I saw a tweet that they are closer to the Atlantic 10, Big East, and um, American Athletic Conference than the other Power 5 conferences in terms of college hoops. At the past year, the okay. gap between them and I think it was the Big Ten was larger than the gap between them and like the Big East, which yeah. is also bad news in college hoops. Much like the pack much like the Pac twelve in football, I think the Pac twelve in basketball is just, you know, starlate. You know, you, there there's a bunch of guys around that you think could be stars on the next level. And that's pretty much what it is. You look at Pac twelve for football and you've got the, the top two guys that are going to be the top picks of this year's draft, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, are both Pac-12 guys. Well, you know, performed in the regular season. Yeah, exactly. There you go. You know what I'm saying? So you got a lot of stars around that just kind of carry their team for the most part, which is why I think they end up becoming better players because I'm so used to carrying a team. Give me some guys around me that actually know how to hoop. And then all of a sudden you start seeing these guys like, I didn't even know who this was in college. But on the next level, damn. Like you're 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 nice. Like Kyle Kuzma. Well, oh, Kyle Kuzma. Like who saw that coming? Who saw who saw Dennis Smith Jr. coming? Like I mean, I think people kind of knew that he could be good, but nobody knew he would be that good. You know what I mean? There is one text that came in, and it's it's from RP One J Money. I I don't like this argument though. The Pac-12 lost a lot of talent last year to the NBA. It has to be taken into consideration. Every conference loses a lot of talent every year. I mean, we're in the year we're in the state of one and dones in college basketball. If you look at a lot of the top teams. In general, they've had to reload every single year. Like Kentucky starting five freshmen every year because they lose them all to the NBA draft. This is what happens in college hoops now. It's on the Pac-12 to reload, right? You got your coaches have to reload. You got to recruit well enough to get these guys to replace the stars that you lost. I I think this just comes back down to the the standard. Argument until a team like UCLA, UCLA is the power basketball school in this conference until they return to what they have been in the past, which they haven't been that in almost a decade now, uh, then the Pac-12 is going to be more of a mediocre conference. The, it, at, when UC, USC is a better conference or a better team in football, this is a better conference. It's the same thing for UCLA. Right now, we don't really have a team for other teams to like with, we don't have a team with the bullseye on his back in this conference. It's constantly rotating. Who's the best who like Arizona kind of is that team, but I mean, not, I mean, they weren't last year. That was nope. Oregon. And, yep. and so it's kind of this rotating thing and we don't, we don't have that established dominance here, like a Kentucky in the sec. And you know, that I think hurts the perception around the nation, and obviously, I think hurts the branding here as well. I think UCLA is a big key to Pac-12 re returning to a power-type conference. All right, we got a break. 
That's enough March Madness for the day, unless Jesse's got any news. Uh, he did love it. But uh, coming up next, Blazers win again yesterday. Blazers. But I have some concerns about the winning streak. I'll tell you what that is next here on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. So the Blazers extend their win streak yesterday. Bust a bucket. Bust, bust <laughs> a bucket, baby. They're red hot and rolling, if you will. Uh, beating the Pistons 100 to 87. Now, Watching the game last night, there's there's a there's a positive way to look at it, which I, I am going to do. Damian Lillard was off last night. He could not hit a shot to save his life. Now he did wind up with 24 points. So I'm not, you know almost got a triple double. I'm not saying that like he was. He actually almost got his first triple double. He's never had one in his career, by the way. I didn't know that. Um, eight assists and seven rebounds, but he was just he was hampered the whole night. His shots were not falling from three. He was three for ten from deep. He was honestly. I think he knew he, he didn't have a shot, and he went to facilitator mode more, or let CJ be the point guard a lot. CJ had a pretty good game yesterday, um, but it was a rough game yesterday. It was ugly. There was a lot of physical play. There was a lot of fouls, um, and the Blazers really had to fight for that win over a Pistons team who was not very good, but who had beaten them five straight times before last night's game, and. The reason, this, what I teased before the break was, I think I have, I have an issue with the win streak, and the issue is I think it ends tonight. They are going to play again, but they traveled, and they're going to play the Clippers, who are a playoff contention team in L.A., who've always given the Blazers issues. Now, that was with the previous roster, but in general, I've given the Blazers issues recently. I'm just worried that after how rough that game and physical that game was yesterday, having to fly and play again tonight against a team in playoff competition. I'm a little bit nervous is going to end tonight. A little bit, little bit nervous is going to end tonight, especially they've got the Rockets coming up on Tuesday back here. You know, that could be another law. I just, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about it. You know, honestly, I'm, I'm not really as nervous. Um, number one, the flight to Portland to LA isn't incredibly long. You're talking about an hour and a half, two hour flight for them. Um, Probably no practice, maybe some shoot around or something like that. But I think they needed last night's game. I think that's one of the games they needed to show they can pull out and grind out against one of those teams which has kind of been a thorn in their side. Again, you said, man, Detroit's not a good team. But it's always for the Blazers, it's always that team that's not good. There was a while where the Denver Nuggets would just come in here and blaze the, the trail. Well, no pun intended. Blaze the Blazers every single time they played them. Like, for whatever reason, they just could not beat Denver. And or Utah was like a big uh, thorn in the side forever. But I think Detroit has become that for them over the past little bit. They need to show they can tough a game out, not score 130 points, not do it by hitting a bunch of jump shots, but actually really they hit you, you hit back. And that's what Detroit is really, really good at. It's like they 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 play bully ball. You know, they're not very – they don't have anybody that really put the ball in the basket like that. I don't think Blake Griffin is that dude. But – by the way, how bad did Blake Griffin look last night? Blake Holy Griffin crap. looked good when he first got there and hasn't looked 
anything since then. He needs another star player next to him to kind of facilitate things for him. Chris Paul made him an all-star. Chris Paul makes people stars. Yeah, I mean, Reggie Jackson's been hurt. Maybe he can help him a little bit. You know, but. maybe. And Reggie Jackson can be really electric. But he can he can be Westbrook or he can be, I don't know, somebody far. He can be Smush Parker. Like, I mean, he can give you one of of the two. That That's kind of the bad part about Reggie Jackson. But I think they needed this game. They need to show that they could be tough. Dame's been talking all year about, you know, we got to be the bad boys. We're the bad boys. Well, prove it. Show it. And this win streak has been good, but I think people will start pointing to the fact that, yeah, well, you beat the Thunder, but, you know, somebody didn't play. I think Melo didn't play in that game. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. They you, have been very lucky with injuries. You, you yes. beat the Warriors a second time, but, you know, Steph didn't play. And I think Draymond or somebody else didn't play in that game. You beat the Heat, but D-Wade didn't play. And they beat him by 16. D-Wade, 16, 17 points. Well, don't even bring up D-Wade. Hassan Whiteside didn't play in that game. Well, yeah, Whiteside didn't play. much better than Dwayne Wade. I mean, D-Wade is still going to be there. 17, 18, 19 a point, uh, point a night, dude. And no, the, they the, lost the by Blazer, 16. The Blazers have gotten very lucky with that, but as we all, you play, who's in front of you, right? You, it's not... It's not exactly their fault or anything that they're winning. Is these are the teams they're fault? No, no they beat the last two champions, and I think that's why they're confident. They weren't going. I don't think they were ever going to lose to the Pistons. Like they were going to have to tough it out. They needed to. They need to show they can grind that game out and play good defense and hold a team to eighty something points. But you know, you've beaten the Warriors, you've beaten the Cavaliers, damn near in consecutive games. You know, so yeah, I've got a lot of confidence that they go into to Staples. And beat up on the Clippers. Who All do right. the Clippers have? So they win 13 straight. And let's, then, ju- let's just say they win tonight. Mm-hmm. And they come back to Portland and play Houston on nope. Tuesday on TNT. That's where they lose. Damian Lillard does not play well against Chris Paul. The record is not cool. Like, I think it's <laughs> it's astronomical like that. I think they've played like 25 times. And he's like seven. Chris Paul is like 21 and four. Yeah. Or something like that. It's, it's, it's not it's not really fair, and he has his best scoring games against the Blazers. But Damian Lillard's playing at a different level himself this year, too. We've never seen this level of Dame, so we will see how that goes against Chris Paul. This text comes from, from Jay Money, and this was the positive way to look at it, is Damian Lillard has carried the Blazers to this win streak. He has not had a bad game. And again, the stats will not look bad from yesterday, but he, like I said, if you watch the game, Dame was off yesterday. He was not all there in that game, and the Blazers still won by double digits, even when Damian Lillard couldn't do it last night, consistently. That's a positive sign. You had CJ pick up the slack. He was 8 for 16. You had Nurkic play well in his limited minutes because he got into some foul trouble. Uh, Mo Harkless hit a couple of threes. You had Aminu hit some clutch threes. Evan Turner, Ed Davis off the bench, of course, very, very good. You know, it's been, it was nice to see them still be able to beat a team who they've had trouble with recently Mm -hmm. in Detroit when Damian Lillard couldn't do it himself. So yeah, that was, and, that's the positive. And I think that's it. the good thing. You start looking at CJ, and he's been really still consistent in this number two role. And I think he's kind of grown accustomed to the fact that he is going to be the second option. But that's not a bad thing. I'm not sure why people think being the option number two is a bad thing. Like, that's, you know, every team needs a first, second, third option. So, but just some clarity. So in 17 games played between Damian Lillard and Chris Paul, uh, Chris Paul is 14-3. and three. Averages 23 and uh, 23 and a half points, 10 and a half assists. Uh, Dame averages 19, five and a half assists. Uh, they, the games haven't really been close. And so that's why I look at that and say, and also, man, who on the team can guard James Harden? Let's just go ahead and be honest. Like he's torching people. He's killing people's ankles. Maybe, I mean, I guess it depends because they do have a couple of really good defenders. Harkless and Aminu are, and Evan Turner, all three are pretty good defenders or really good defenders. But 
against a really shifty guard like Harden? I'm not so sure. Hey, hey James Harden, say something controversial. Well, that's that's one of those things where you just you accept the fact that the beard is going to do his thing and go off for like 40 and that you can do things to slow down everybody. James else. Harden's a top five two guard of all time. I, James Harden is a top five two guard of all time. Noise your own. This is one Absolutely. of those. This is one of those tangents that I'm talking about earlier. Hey man, listen. This dude <laughs> could have been taking the bait. I don't. Hey man, man, don't, don't have to. I'm not you don't have to. I'm, I'm just saying, man. They, name. I'm sure text police will take the bait. Of course they will. <laughs> of course they will. And I'm ready for that. You, you know, love you some James Harden, though. It's the truth, he man. Does. It's the truth. Like, well, it's, it's like an opinion. Name a point. Name a, name a two loves. guard that has been able to pass as good as James Harden has. Name one. You can't because he doesn't exist. Well, you can't drop it on me off the top of my head because I know. Jordan wasn't a passer like that. We talk about it all the time. That's the comparison. He gets to LeBron. He wasn't as great a passer. Kobe for sure wasn't going to pass the ball. D Wade wasn't oh, is a good passer, but not a great passer. Harden's only been a good passer for the last year or two, though. Harden's been he's he's averaged like seven assists for like the last four years, four or five years, and that's because he kind of had to. Averaging assists and being a good passer are different things, though. Uh, oh, okay. I mean, they are right. You can have really easy assists, and you could be a really good passer. There, he's get, he gets really easy assists, and that's <laughs> and that's the part about it. He's the most unselfish two that we've seen. All right, we got a break, and I'm not taking the bait anymore. I'm I'm sorry, I gotta stop. I wanted to tell, I wanted Just to take saying. it, but I gotta stop. All right, coming up next hour, lots of NFL talk plus hate it or love it. All the free agent moves that we have to discuss are in a big pile of notes on my sheet, and we'll get to as many as we can in the next couple of segments. That is next here on Sports Sunday on the Fan.